Sandrina Davis came from humble beginnings while living in an inner city community in Kingston, Jamaica. And being the youngest of many siblings, primarily brothers, she felt a sense of protection. In spite of that, she was faced with victimization for several years during her childhood. At 19 years old, Sandrina's life took a turn for the better when she decided to pursue her mental and emotional healing through clinical counseling. Listen as she shares in full what her healing journey has looked like as she highlights the benefits of counseling. You're listening to When I Was a Girl. Welcome, Sandrina. Thank you so much for being part when I was a girl podcast. We're so happy to have you. Um, jump straight into it. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about your upbringing? Uh, what was life like for you when you were a girl? Thank you so much, Stephanie, for this opportunity to share. Um, when I was a girl, I, we had a pretty, I had a pretty average life. I was from a large family. Uh, the baby of the family, actually, um, with majority of my siblings being brothers, you know, he had a sense of protection. Um, our family did not have a lot, but there are some fundamental things that were there in our entire childhood, such as, you know, we saw both parents all the time. Um, we spent a lot of time together, you know, learning the importance of sharing and uh, being content with what we had. I remember strongly my mother would just from time to time pull me and my sister aside and give us what I call just like amazing life nuggets. You know, she would draw from the state of her life and tell us, make sure this is not you or, you know, if you don't want to be like me, you have to focus on your education or you have to work hard. And every opportunity that she could that she, that she got to give us those kinds of messages. She pulled us aside and gave us those messages. And so I spent a lot of my childhood just trying to be excellent, <laughs> um, just trying to excel, just trying to do extra based on what I would have heard from my mom and based on how I saw us struggle as a family to, you know, have food all the time or have the food that we would like, let's put it that way, because we never went to bed hungry. Um, or have the things that I see, you know, a lot of children enjoying. We had nothing compared to that. Um, so a lot of my childhood was being extra in school, joining all the clubs, entering the competitions, trying to get scholarships. Um, I don't think I had much fun, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but I, I'm not sure that I would trade it at this point. <laughs> no, I was just asking if those things weren't fun, all those activities and extracurricular stuff. No, I didn't look at them. I didn't look at them as fun. I was just looking at them literally as through my little girl's eyes as stepping stones to not being what my mother said we, we needed not to be. You know, I was just like, oh, I have to do this because I don't want to be poor. I have to do this because I want to one day have my own room. <laughs> I have to do this because I want to have a bigger TV and have chicken and oxtail. Well, I don't eat oxtail now. Can I confess? Never got it as a child. Never had taste for it. And it still doesn't appeal to me. So um, <laughs> it, it was a lot more task focused than, than enjoyment. I see. How many siblings did you have? Or do you have? I have... 
and this is just like across because there are other children outside of the marriage between my parents so i have eight brothers um two are no longer alive and i have one twin sister wow i'm sorry to hear about your deceased brothers but that's um that's a big family exactly (laughs) (laughs) okay and so coming out of being involved in this way you know uh, and the fact that you felt protected by having so many brothers i mean it was just one sister who's your twin um what were some of the the ways you were left to be to be felt vulnerable well i'll put it this way i think you know when we were born as the the now princesses of our family it was it was a great it was a great feeling for our entire family finally um you know our parents had daughters i think I would assume that amidst the lack of Wi-Fi and cable television, I think they really kept trying because they would have wanted to see, you know, what what the, what girls would look like. Um, yes. And if I must confess, my family is quite handsome and beautiful. Like all of us are so gorgeous, and I, th- I figured they wanted to see what the girls would look like. So we were like girl royalty in our family. Interestingly enough, our 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 or living situation, I mean, inner city community, large living, and by large living, I mean, many families in one big yard. Um, and so if I was to narrow that down, I would say, you know, that, that kind of environment, first and foremost, would, you know, would open the door for vulnerability. Um, and when, when, when families grow in that kind of environment, a lot of families, have a high level of trust and friendship with each other. You know, I'm going to the market. Can you watch the kids for me? I'm going to do this. Just give an eye over the yard, you know, that kind of setting. And so just from early out, I think any, any, any child that grows up in similar environment is vulnerable to those that live close to them and to those that would have access because big yards have really open access. Let's put it that way. Um, and so I believe that that kind of setting would have been the first kind of opening to, you know, just as a girl being vulnerable. Got you. And if you could share with us, what what were some of the specific ways that you were taken advantage of as a result of that kind of vulnerability? Well, I would start by saying when, as a a young child, there are certain things that just never cross your mind. And as you're growing older, most of the times that's when you start to put the pieces together to say, oh, this is weird. Um, you know, as a child, you may feel this doesn't feel quite the way it should feel, but you're not, you haven't, you haven't been accustomed to the words or the situation to know exactly what it is. Um, but mm. very early, I was, I was told, you're so pretty, you're so pretty, you're so pretty. They were right. However, um, genuinely, the, the voices that would echo that sentiments would not be the persons that you would want to be telling you that you are pretty. I'll go as far to say that, you know, I was exposed to lots of inappropriate touching and, 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 and petting. Um, abuse is abuse. I would never say, thankfully, you know, no penetration because abuse is abuse and it all leaves its own scars. But more than, more than one individual, um, and sometimes there were persons that were very close to, to our home, very close to our family members, you know, um, very, very close. And so as a little girl, you know, you had to spend time with with 
let's call it an uncle because you know when you're growing up is uncle this and uncle that and auntie this and uncle that you have to spend time with uncle uncle would uncle would have you sit in his lap um and you're a little girl and you're 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 wondering what is this thing that is literally poking at me um but as a little girl and you're growing up knowing that you need to your family trust this person this person is a friend of the family what do you do do you do you say something do you quiet do you be an obedient little girl um so it was very confusing but there was times when you had to sit in in uncle's lap or you know everybody else was gone to to had gone to do other things where they're playing or else but you had to well i had to spend time you know with this individual and and many of the encounters would be telling me how pretty i am and you know they can't wait for me to grow up so they can this and they can that and lots and lots of touching i i mean i think my first kiss was an old man and i wasn't able to and by old i mean much older than i was um i wasn't able to participate in that activity because i just didn't know what to do as a girl you know what i mean but it yeah. didn't as i remember it and staring into the faces of the persons who as i grew older i realized that this was horrible things that they were doing you could tell that they were not convinced that their actions were 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 wrong you know you know it's it's such a it's a it seems like such a complex issue sandrina because so many times just as you're describing um as you said the, there is this level of trust that's established and then that trust lends itself to both good and bad things because relationships can't exist without trust but then when there are breaches um and that trust is taken advantage of especially in the case of a child it, it can be so harmful it, it can be so detrimental to that person's view of life view of different things uh and then why i say it's so complex is we're we're, we're looking at the adults in this situation in these situations you know what i i ask questions like why would they do that what 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 pleasure could they 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 derive from things like that or um a lot of times i wonder about what their own upbringing was like you know what were they exposed to why it is that this kind of behavior would be quote unquote natural for them or um <clears throat> and so yeah i mean how how would you say that the, the this kind of um, breach of your trust affected you even as you got a bit older. I mean, um, I'm, I'm imagining that what you're describing right now would have been like preteen years, right? Yeah, definitely um, preteen years. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I had a lot of struggles with wondering now what was wrong with me um, because just based on my own observation, I would have seen that there were other little girls around other little girls living nearby across the way and you could tell that they were not being victims and they were not victimized the way that i was and so i started thinking okay then what's wrong with me do i have a sign on my forehead that says fondle her you know um why why me not them what was it that made me the target and so I spent a lot of time just thinking, what's wrong with you? Did you do something? Did you say something? You know, did you, did you, was it something that I did that, that made persons believe that they could do this to me? And that would have been one of the bigger questions that I carried with me into my teenage years because I just could not understand why. 
And that's something that I hope people can drill down to those who are, you know, focused on research and whatever. Like, how does someone decide who? Like, how do you pick? And I mean, I say it now and, and I'm smiling because it's, you know, I'm like, that would have been an interest. I would have loved to know why, yeah. you know? Um, and, but, but in all honesty, that was, in all honesty, that would have been the one thing that plagued me um, for years. Like, why? why yeah. Me? You know? Well, I find it interesting that you said um, you could tell that that other little girls were not being victimized. But, but how how did you know? I mean, is it that you 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 would have shared some of what was happening to you, and re- realized that nobody else had those kind of kinds of experiences? Or I, I mean, never shared. I never shared anything with anyone while growing up. I opened my mouth about what had happened years later because of something that that and I'll share exactly what I'm talking about I never Mm -hmm. asked anybody at that time but everybody else was able to do whatever they wanted to do to be children they were all playing outside they were all doing this they're all doing that the only missing link was me Um, and so that was why I assumed um, that it was the case now obviously I could have been wrong however um, and I don't know if I can fast forward, but let me just fast forward. If you need me to go back, you can always just take me back. But just right before, a little bit before sitting CSEC exams, you know, um, I would like find different spots to, to study. And I remember one day I was going to study and I saw this individual coming to me. And I just didn't want to pass my CXCs still. Yana's and Stephanie, like, I needed those eight subjects because it would have been my ticket out. And I looked dead in the the person's face and I said, if you touch me, I am going to call the police. Um, That was the end of it. And I was just like, girl, if you didn't know, say that all along, why you never just said that, you know? Um, I mean, so how comes Mr. Bright? And I didn't know that that phrase would have made a huge difference because obviously probably it would have made a huge difference years ago. But it just never came to me that I could have said something like that, that I had that kind of power. But I figure as I was growing and realizing what was going on, I was like, Mm-mm, this can't be right. And so I said that on that day, and that was the, the that everything ended with that one sentence, or so I thought. Um, because a lot of times, because the, the abuse is over, we think that it is over. And trust me, it, it, it wasn't over. Um, and so I grew, I was a teenage girl, I was like about 18 or 18, 19. I, mm-hmm. I thought this guy that I met was the most amazing guy, dreamy and sweet. He's just an awesome gentleman. Um, he still is an awesome gentleman, um, by the way. We're very good friends. And, you know, he was this guy that I really liked, just love him. And I remember the day that he tried to kiss me was supposed to be special listen Mm. i turned into one hot mess i was freaking out i was shaking i was emotional and poor boy wondering what in the world did he do um Mm -hmm. obviously he did nothing right but not nothing all of what you had gone through that just came across as very shocking for him your response exactly 
And yeah. so he then, we had a really good friendship. So he was like, what? what's going on? What? What is this? Like, what's happening? And I was just like, you know, I'll talk to you about it around that time and so on. I really value, like, I really value our friendship. So I said, well, yeah. if there's any person I can tell about this, it has to be this individual. Um, very scared because how is this person going to look at you after, you know, would they still think that you are suitable or friend material? You understand? Um, and anyways, I shared it. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, well, you should, I think you should go to counseling. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, and he said, and I'll, I'll, I'll support you through that. I'll, I'll assist you. At that time, I was not employed. And he said, well, just make the call and let me know. And I did make the call. And he said, all right, start. And he was actually supporting um, by paying for the sessions. Wow. And then, um, yeah, no, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then uh, a few, but, 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 but I want to just zone in on something that came up out of that conversation that we had. He said to me, well, you have to decide what you want to be after this like because you know a lot of people go through a lot of trauma some people change their their some people don't have nothing to do with man again some people become you know lesbians um, some people are just scarred for life and i remember he said you have to decide how you want to come up out of this and it was at that moment i was like well i don't have to be broken forever now do i yeah because it, you know it is not my fault like it's not my fault um, and in my, my year-long counseling, because that was how long um, I went to sessions, I spent a lot of time figuring out that it was not my fault and that the why me question may never be answered. A part of that process was also to, to check with the, with the females that I was around at that time to see if they were also victims. Yes, mm-hmm. that was that was difficult to, as a big adult know to be calling people from your childhood to say, um, you know, <laughs> this had happened when I was younger. I remember we were living in the yard, and and I just want to know if that was happening to you. So that was like awkward telephone calls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Stephanie, every person that I called said, no, it was not happening to them. Now, I know that they could have been lying, you know, but if they were all being truthful, it really brought me back to my original question that I had when I was 14. Why me? Um, And I want to just use this opportunity to like definitely shout out Family Life Ministries. I said without any thought or shame about it, that that one year period that I spent there dealing with my issue was very helpful to like, you know, just push me into the next phase of my life. Um, Another thing that was good for me at that time too was my spiritual foundation. Um, I am a Christian. I I was serving, I was going to church when I was about six years old, but as a child, you, you know, you're not deepening your connection with God. You're not developing that relationship that that spiritual, um, element can take you through so many things of your life but as i grew older i understood the value of how that kind of spiritual aspect and connection with god can really help um with hurt and with pain and with forgiveness because 
forgiveness became a big thing for me. And it was very pivotal in me moving forward. Um, and I have to talk about this because I think our, those who will, will listen will appreciate that. There was a time when I thought I was good. I was over everything. I remember one time when one of my abusers who migrated and all of that sent me a friend request on Facebook. Hmm. No, I mean, it's just a friend request, don't it? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm good. I'm fine. Let me add this person. It's not an issue. They need to come online and see that I'm doing good. Have a good job. I'm living my best life, you know? And I added the person. And the first thing, the man messaged me and says, I am gross, sweet, and nice. Stephanie. <laughs> I don't, I, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea. I don't think that the person meant it in the way that I received it. But listen, it just threw me off. And I mean, I just like went off on the individual on, on, on in Facebook Messenger in proper English, of course. Um, but like literally just typed and after such and such and this and that. And I just went on. You know, so I got it off my chest. You confronted the person? Even bringing up the details of, of how they had victimized you in, as a child? And, and this, is, this is where I'm going to talk about forgiveness. The individual yeah. sent back and said, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be reading this, but I really don't remember what you're talking about. My goodness. Um, yeah. And so forgiveness is very important because, oh God, we're holding on to so many things that the people who, who hurt us have let it go so much so that they don't even remember, you know? You, you look at some of these people and they're living, they're doing fine, they seem quite okay. And notice they seem, and, and, and for a lot of us, we, were, we become stuck. We're not moving forward because we're holding on to, I'm 34 now, you know? I would have been holding on to something that happened, let's call it 20, 25, 26 years ago, you know what I mean? Um, and so I had to learn to forgive. I had to learn to forgive, even if they didn't remember, even if they didn't say, I am sorry. I had to learn to forgive and just let it go. Yeah, it was I, not easy. At this juncture of your story, what you're seeing right now is so, I mean, it's just so pivotal. You're saying to me that even after confronting um, someone who had taken advantage of you as a child. The reality is that, that, that I'm sorry might not come. And what do, what do we do yeah. when we've been hurt so deeply by someone, we've confronted them, you know, with an expectation somewhat of at least an apology or at least acknowledging only to hear the person either say that they, they don't remember it or they deny it whether it's true or not, um, that they don't remember. The, the fact is, hearing the words, I'm sorry, is not a guarantee. And that is something that, that we have to come to terms with. How, how did you, how did all of your, I guess, your life as a Christian, how did that contribute to you being able to forgive? And I'm sure it's an you know, it's, it's an ongoing process. But how has that helped you exactly? I never got an I'm sorry. Never. 
not not from any any anybody that would have um, hurt me at that. Um, and I got I don't remember. Um, I don't remember, and I don't know. For every person, their their therapy is different. For mine, I was instructed to confront persons. Um, this Ooh. last confrontation would have come late because I didn't know where this person was. So when they popped up online, it was an opportunity. But so through those confrontation periods, I remember going back to my session. And I was like, well, I did what you said and I don't feel any better. And, you know, they don't remember and they don't, and they, this and that. And I remember there was one of the persons that said, no, but you are coming on to me. And I was okay. like, at eight, at nine, for real, in real life, you know, I was yeah. like, what? And so I would go back to the sessions and I'm like, listen, miss, this is not working. What you saying? I hear you, but I don't feel any better. I'm not coming out of this any better. And all that is happening is I'm getting more angry. I'm getting more bitter. And, you know, she would talk me through. She would tell her son, okay, it didn't go how you anticipated it, but it can, it doesn't have to stop your progress. So you want an I'm sorry? Yeah, man, write a letter and send it back to yourself. You want an I'm sorry? Record it and play it over in your head. You know what I mean? Like, if this is what you're going after, you can give it to yourself. However, understanding that it may not come was yeah. very important to me moving forward. I would go to, 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 to my relationship with God. The more I harbored these things in my heart was the more I was not able to, what I call, freely open my heart to whatever else could happen beautifully. And that does not mean you know, relation, man and woman relationship. Because a lot of times people think that you have to move on from abuse so that you can have a fulfilling relationship. But that's not it. And every relationship that you will ever have, a friendship, colleagues, all of those relationships, people say the slightest of things and you will add a meaning to it that does not exist. You know what I mean? You are looking at everybody as a criminal. Let's put it that way. And so healing of the heart was important so that I could embrace life for what it was, a place yeah. filled with imperfect people who are really trying every day to do what's right, and sometimes you don't. And this is not an excuse. Um, it is just fact. I, a lot of time was spent in prayer, a lot of time talking to myself. Look here, I would stand in front of my mirror, not from a crazy perspective, and say, well, they were right back in the day. You are very pretty. So don't right. throw that away just because they had Ill, Ill intentions when they said it. Yes. You're, yeah, girl, you're good. You know? And I would have to tell myself, you're beautiful. You're, you're wonderful. There was nothing wrong with you where this happened. It's going to come and be blessing somebody else in the future. Um, if you ever become a parent of a girl, you're going to know exactly how to protect her and care for her. And those are things I would tell myself every day. You're worthy of love. Somebody is going to understand your value and never um never destroy you know your virtue and things like that um, and so a lot of time was spent trying to tell my brain that this was not where my life would have stopped that there was a lot more ahead of the game we hear the cliche every day oh forgiveness is not for them it is for you i would roll my eyes when i watch that in tyler perry's movies and stuff no i'd be like oh god here we go again you know but it's so factual it really is not for them it is for you and so you know it you just have to just 
you just have to try and and push i know that it's hard i know that you know somebody may be like rolling their eyes like yes andrina mm-hmm. but you had friends and you had the right people to push you in the right direction but listen sometimes all you have to do is push yourself all you have to do is push yourself and and and, and you can push push past whatever it is that was trying to break you wow this is just such powerful stuff. I mean, what I hear you saying, Sandrina, is that um, the earlier you're able to get some form of intervention, and for you, it happened upon this friend that you had that, that encouraged you to do the counseling and even supported you in, in paying for it because we know these kinds of services aren't, they're, they're not always cheap, but the fact mm-hmm. is, um, they're available and where there's a will, there's a way, you know, I just also want to say at this point that through Girls First, we, we aim to, to help to connect anyone that has gone through any form of, of um, victimization. We, we try to connect them with some of our, net, our resources within our network, especially for persons who can't afford it. We understand um, and you know, we, we, we do our best, we do our best to try to, to support people on that journey. But I hear you saying that that year, you said it was about a year of going to counseling and going through the pain of this process, confronting perpetrators that had affected your life. You know, it just seems like God has had you on this path to ensure that you would pursue wholeness, you know, that it, you, you, you wouldn't just be shattered to pieces and just lay there, but that he would bring you back together, you know, despite all the different things that had happened to you while you were growing up. I wanted to, before we, we jump into just, you know, just looking at how all of this has shaped I guess your life as as an adult, um, and I, you can you can walk us through stages. You know, young adulthood, and, and I would say you're still in that stage. <laughs> so, but you can you can walk us through. I mean, like, what would you say your life was like during your twenties versus what it's like now? Um, and uh, yeah, <clears throat> what are some of the my, 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 I get my counseling period was probably, you know, 19, 20, 21, somewhere among there was when I was doing um, um, my counseling. And I remember the day when the counselor said, well, today is your last day and you don't have to come back. I was looking wow. at her, I was like, are you sure? You know, and she's like, yeah, man, you're good. And I said, are you really sure? And I looked at her and I said, because I don't want to be a screw up. <laughs> like, I was like, yo, I don't want to be walking around in this life broken and stuck. And so I had to ask her, are you sure that I'm done here? And she said, yes. Um, my, my 20s were filled with just working hard and, and going after the things that I wanted to, remembering exactly what my mom told me, you know, be independent. Um, work hard, try not to have such a high dependence on, you know, people for things and so on. And I think in her own way, she was trying to, you know, build up our strength. Um, I do, I will never know if she was aware of what was going on. I will never know. Um, 
and she passed away in 2011. But there were some things that she told me that has shaped who I am. And so I, and then also just to say that nothing in my life has ever been like smooth. So I think just even that, that, that chapter, those lengthy chapters would have just given me, you know, that extra to kind of push through whatever other challenges um, that would have happened. I'm a mom. Um, it happened earlier than I had planned. Um, and, I, and I gave birth to a boy. Um, and he is growing up into a wonderful young man. Um, sweet and just, you know, very respectful. And I, I, I know that whoever gets him, um, after they pass through me, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna be very happy with with the with the result. Um, but yeah, I do. I'm raising a little boy, but I, I studied. I went to the university. Um, actually, got pregnant while in my final year of doing my my bachelor's. Um, um, there are so many things that would have happened just since then, but it has been a lot of just working hard and pushing for it and changing industries. Um, but we've done the, we, we, we've, I've done an MBA with a focus in marketing and now doing a Master of Divinity at the at, at a overseas theological seminary. I also um, did a certificate in Christian ministry at the local Bible college here in Jamaica that my church um, that I'm a part of runs. And I work in a nonprofit um, environment, and I am here on this When I Was a Girl podcast because I believe that my voice can help somebody, my story can help somebody. Um, and there's so much more stories to come, um, whether they'll hear it from you or they'll hear it from me, it's going to be echoed into the, into the world so that another young girl can know that, you know, where you start is definitely not where you end. And if people, what people did to you does not have to break you forever because this now is broken. Um, but I believe that support of friends and counseling was my crazy glue, you know, and it helped to put the pieces back together. And you try to shine it off as best as you can. Um, it is a lie that things will automatically be very different. Um, and sometimes it will never be the same, but you learn to adjust um, just like you are, you're driving and you're dropping the pot, the first pot while you're dropping and definitely you, you make that big old sound. I don't know about it, but I'm like, ah, oh, you know, because you didn't expect it, but the car dropped right in there. But best believe as you are on that road, you are now looking out for potholes and you swerve and you slow down because you're now, you're understanding that these things are a part of life. And so when I, drop in my pothole of abuse unprepared not knowing what to do about it but as i grew i was able to start swerving you know and driving slower and dodging um and that's what the challenges in life do it, you determine how you come out of it um and it prepares you to spot them further because trust me like my predator um predator meat are well good um so it prepares you to spot things further um, and to adjust and to know what's good and what's best for you. Um, but, you know, you know, Stephanie, I've been saying this one line from I was about 22, 23, right after I gave birth to my child, that the process is necessary for purpose and it has guided my life. Um, you know, some 13, 12 years later, it has guided my life. Um, and like I said, all these phrases are so cliche, but everything that we go through is for our greatest 
to purpose. Unfortunately, some of us have to go through pain so that some other people don't have to go through it. Or some of us have to go through pain and shout about it so that we can give other people permission to put up their hand and say, hey, this is happening to me. How can I get help? Yeah. And realizing this later, if I'm able to do that, I would change my childhood if I could. But knowing what I know now, I can say, you know what? It's okay that this happened to me because I can now help others. I've had the opportunity to share with other girls and talk them through stuff and help them through stuff. And if I had this absolutely perfect, squeaky clean childhood, I would not be a candidate for those kinds of interventions. And so mm. here I am, still making my way through, but I touched the, 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 the scar of abuse and it doesn't hurt anymore. And that's my indication that I have moved on from it. And so for anybody that's listening, this is your test. Open him out, talk about it. Look at an individual, read what you wrote in your journal. If you're still shaking in tears and, you know, as old people would say, get up in a temper, then you still need some help to move through it. But if you can touch that wound and it doesn't hurt anymore, then you know you're on your way to the next level. Um, and so that's, that's what I would say. Thank you so much. I love that. Those are great closing words. Um, and I'll just reiterate what you said that you've, you've been guided by for the last few years. And it is that the process is necessary for purpose. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, for anyone listening, you know, if, 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 someone would like to reach out to you, Sandrina, um, I know that you would be willing to encourage that person. And so if anybody is interested, they can reach out to us. The details for how to get in touch will follow. And um, Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to thank you again for sharing your story with us. It's such a, it's, it, you know, the, the angle from which you came, Sandrina, I really, I feel empowered by it personally. You know, you spoke about the fact that a lot of times things happen to us as children. We have absolutely no idea. And at that age, we don't feel the courage or probably don't have the tools to talk about it then. But heritage, this person came into your life, encouraged you to get counseling. You did. And... Uh, that was the start of a turning point in your life, you know, and just listening to what you, you said about, I'm sorry, not necessarily hearing I'm sorry. And how do we deal with that? The fact that we can still rise even above that gives me so much hope, you know, and I really hope that someone listening to this will also be filled with hope that, that it's okay and you can still, it's not okay that the person has not apologized, but, you are still able to, to have closure and move forward in life. Your moving forward is not contingent on another person's actions. You are equipped. Um, and we, we see how that relationship with God pretty much grounds that. It, it's the foundation of you being able to move on. So, yeah, there's just so much richness that, that has come from you sharing with us and I can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, it was my pleasure. Um, you you heard it first on When I Was a Girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's my pleasure.
pleasure. Well, take care and give our love to your son. <laughs> All right. The When I Was a Girl podcast is a space where the life stories of survivors are shared clearly, truthfully, and with a focus on restoration and hope. For anyone who has experienced abuse, we encourage you to reach out to us here at Girls First International. You can find us at wearegirlsfirst.com or find us on Instagram at girlsfirstja and on Facebook at girlsfirst.com.